On program. On program. Hands on head, eyes front, feet on the floor. Do it. You two, on program now. On program. Now. Do it. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we do this. On program now. What's up, everybody? How we doing? This is On Program. It's going to be a fun one today. It's the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. And we're going to talk about it. i got an awesome panel with us here today. We're going to dive in. We're going to have a great time. That's going to start right now. we got my friend Michael joining us. How's it going? Welcome, Michael. It's great to have you. We've got one of the OGs, Eric B., joining us today to talk about this one. A Wanawanga. <laughs> and then for the first time on program, Andy and Michael Mason. Welcome to the show, guys. Howdy. Yeah, this one's uh this one's gonna be awesome. Let's dive into it. This is uh this is one of the classics. It turned forty this year, like all the other ones, they've been kind of those anniversaries have been coming up. Uh we saw it with Star Wars, we saw it with Empire, and now Return of the Jedi gets its day in the sun. It had a cinematic re-release. Some of us went and saw it. And some of us, like myself, failed to do their homework, uh, so that's on me. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna get y'all's perspectives on it. Uh, we got a cool gang of folks here to talk about this today. We got different perspectives. Eric was there when it came out. Um, Michael and myself, you know, saw it younger. Um, Michael's a big fan of the original. Um, Andy and and Michael Mason been diving in uh, lately and and really catching up. So so let's let's dive into it. I'll start with you, Eric. Um, what are some of your, what are some of your thoughts? How was it seeing it, uh, opening night, I assume, or at least in the first theatrical run? Yeah. Hey everybody. Um, all I can say, uh, like thinking back to my nine-year-old self at the time, it was just pure magic. Um, I remember standing in line with my dad who took me, um, I think the first weekend that it came out and I remember just standing in the long line, just terrified that we weren't going to get a ticket to be go in there and see it. So, I mean, as a context for everybody, um, you know, I came into star Wars as a four-year-old 1977 with the original and, uh, by 1983, you know, six years in the making more than half my life had been invested in star Wars. And as the, the culminating act of, of the trilogy, uh, I was just so excited to be able to see it. Um, you know, my excitement was, you know, compounded by, uh, all the technology that had improved over the over the years, and uh, certainly as a collector, um, just the uh, the amazing uh, three and three quarter inch toy line uh, that accompanied the movie's release, uh, like one of the largest, I think it was the largest action figure release of the three movies in the original Kenner line, and then the the play sets and vehicles were just uh, fantastic. But you know, as a as a nine year old, you know, who had seen the first two movies three years in between, nothing nothing but my imagination filling in the gaps and reliving all the moments, playing with my friends, playing on my own with my with my action figures, uh, trying to to recreate all of the adventures and uh, sure. all the excitement associated with the characters. It was uh, it was fantastic, and um, you know, I feel blessed that not only did I see it when it came out, but I saw. The uh, the expanded uh, or the uh, the re-released uh, special edition in nine in the late nineties. Um, I've seen it uh, accompanied by an orchestra um, 
Oh, which you know it, it, it would be remiss. I would be remiss not to mention, you know, one of the most powerful things about Star Wars is is the accompanying score, um, mm. mostly by John Williams now through the majority of the movies, uh, but just just the soundtracks alone, um, being able to remember the exact scenes that accompanied the the musical score uh, as you listen to it on, on the old radios and then cassette tapes and now um, you know it's downloading it on uh, on uh, on digital media. But oh, uh, yeah. just just a fantastic memory, yeah. Oh, uh, there's nothing better, man. John Williams is just a transcendent talent, and uh, yeah, he elevates every project he's involved with. But uh, this one, you know, it's it's obviously all of our favorites. Uh, it's just just pure greatness. Uh, Michael B, I'll kick it over to you now. Um, you weren't there when it came out, but I know you carry the moniker of the purist. So uh, talk to me about w- what your earliest memories of this movie are and then how many times you saw it and then what you thought of the uh, <laughs> the special editions and uh, where you fall in that whole debate. Oh, boy. I, I couldn't count the number <laughs> of times I've seen this movie. Uh, War, the VHS that we had out. Uh, it's because of these movies I became sort of a, a stickler for widescreen, not full screen, and you know didn't want to miss any details or anything like that. Uh, my earliest memories of this one and the original trilogy are actually watching it with my dad, and he would always uh, read in a deep voice the opening crawl, and that was always a fun thing. I will probably pass on to my kids as well. Um, and like I said, I, I grew up on the THX edition uh, VHS, and so I also had an interesting moment at one point seeing it on TV, finally seeing like the the CGI special edition versions for the 90s. Uh, and not really quite understanding why all of a sudden Vader didn't have eyebrows or, you know, why there was this <laughs> weird CGI characters that just didn't seem to make any sense to me. But uh, I still loved it. I loved, loved the movie. Uh, growing up, uh, Return of the Jedi was always my favorite. Um, Luke was my first cosplay. I was, I still have my middle school uh, black Jedi costume because it was unique and different from all the other Jedi costumes everyone else was wearing. And... Uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Now, I didn't see any of them in person until probably episode three, but I, I would say kind of what, what yeah, Eric's same. describing really takes me back to, because, man, I, I miss standing in line to watch movies. I miss having to get there early and chatting with people around, uh, especially early on, so no one's going to spoil the movie, but I remember taking lightsabers and costumes to see the movies, and that's not really something that you get, and that's a very recent thing. I feel like uh, even as, as recent as like Avengers Endgame, people were still lining up to go see those movies or or Han Solo, right? The the solo movie, mm-hmm. people were still mm-hmm. lining up. But after that, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that moves forward for Star Wars if people still show up early for those kind of watch parties at theaters. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I know that I've definitely been a fan of the pre, uh, you know, pre-reserved seating, but I can... I can see how that element of it would be missing. Uh, you know, it's the the yeah. fanfare, the excitement. I'm always just so petrified of having something spoiled. Uh, and you know, when you when you are as deep in the fandom as as so many of us are, you know, you don't even need an overt spoiler to have it be a spoiler, right? right? You can hear just like, oh man, the lava was so cool, and it's like, oh, they go to Mustafar, nice, cool, great, thanks. Now, I didn't want to know that, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, those those little things. Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 fascinating. Um, so now I'll kick it over to you, Andy and Michael. Um, you guys take it one at a time and let me know when you saw it. When was the first time you saw this movie? And then uh, you know, kind of get into how it ranks for you uh in the in the whole saga what are your thoughts generally um 
So I had seen this movie once before. Um, Michael took me through and kind of sat me on the couch and was like, we're watching Star Wars. And he watched all my movies. Um, and um, I will admit, like, don't shame me, but I, that's not when I became a huge Star Wars fan. And I did sure. love watching this movie because, ah, there's so many cute and fun and adorable moments that can make you <laughs> love it, even if you're not like a crazy Star Wars fan. Um, so getting to rewatch it, see it in theaters after taking the deep dive and becoming a big fan myself was so awesome. Yeah, for me, I, I think the first time I saw this movie was, uh, I'd won like a box set from my church at some <laughs> raffle. Uh, I think I was like six, maybe seven. And I was like, oh, cool. Star Wars. I've heard of this. Uh, <laughs> and then that was about it. I kind of sat on my countertop for like a year and then I finally uh they started I think it was right when episode two was coming out yeah so um, how old were you when that happened because you and I had similar upbringings and there was a there was a time where Star Wars was not uh you know allowed through the gates uh <laughs> you know as it were was, was that the case for you or no uh no it was more of uh just we didn't have at first we didn't have a VHS player and then second like DVD started coming out then we didn't have a DVD player either. So oh, it was more okay. of poverty that kept me from it at first. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, sorry to, uh, sorry to force you to relive that. It was all <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, I remember I took uh, you to your first Taco Bell order. So that's, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm responsible for a lot of your uh, degeneracy. All right, continue. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you good. So I, once I started seeing commercials for uh, episode two, I was like, oh, that looks cool. That's what the Star Wars thing is. And then mm -hmm. I was like, well, I have these three movies I want a year ago. I might as well start watching them. And I, I watched through, like, one at a time, all in, all in the day, I watched all three. I was like, well, that was incredible. I watched them again, <laughs> like, just through the night. And then that kind of repeated for a week or two until I finally could bug my mom enough to get us tickets to go see episode two before I'd even seen episode one. <laughs> so. Fascinating. I, yeah, well, I'd I love to. Love with it. I love to hear your thoughts on episode two someday. That being, that being the first one you see in the cinema, that's uh, that's a journey in and of itself. But no, I so so my experience was like I alluded to. I didn't get to watch Star Wars for a long time. Uh, I was I was probably twelve or thirteen when I finally got to check it out, and uh, I, I went to Blockbuster and I got to choose two PG thirteen movies, and I chose Jurassic Park and Star Wars. And even though Star Wars wasn't a PG thirteen, I I finagled it so that way I could. Uh, Convinced them that I was finally old enough to handle the mysticism or, or what have you. Um, so, so I dived into it, and I never looked back. It was amazing. But, uh, but then I watched 4 and 5, and for whatever reason, I just thought that, you know, it, it had to have ended at 5. I, I, I was just I just dumb. I didn't realize that there was a sixth one. And so when Han's frozen and Vader, you know, looks to have, have won and cut Luke's arm off and everything, and I'm just like, this is how it ends? This is brutal, man. This is so dark. Um, and then so so finally, you know, my mom was like, no, stupid, there's there's a sixth one. And so uh, so we went back out and, and got it. And it was, 
it was exciting. I, I I had mixed feelings about it at the first uh, viewing because on one hand, the Tatooine stuff was so cool. Um, you know, everything involving Luke and Vader was so much fun. The space battle was awesome. But, you know, as a young kid, I, I was revolted by the concept of the Ewoks. I just thought it was so juvenile and laughable and, and crazy and it's like, this is so unrealistic, and how are they rah, 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 just raging? Um, and it's been very interesting because f- for that reason, mostly I ranked it at the bottom of, of the sort of the original trilogy. Um, and and with time, it's it's really crawled up the, the ranking for me. I still think it's at the bottom of the OT, uh, but it's only just, right? Like I was ranking some prequels uh, above this for a while. Uh, but you know, eventually we all grow up and uh, and, and realize that the OT is just uh, is just perfect. But um, I'll I'll kick that around the room now. How does uh, how does this rank for everyone in the uh, in the whole saga? And again, I'll just keep the same order and start with you, Eric. Where does this one sit? That's really tough. Uh, you think about all the great movies um, that have been made. Uh, it's you know, is it one, one, a one B of it all? I would say for me, um, it's probably, it's probably my third favorite movie of star Wars movie of all time. Uh, empire strikes back would be one, um, rogue one would be the second, uh, Jedi and then a new hope. So, you know, the OT, the original trilogy is really, uh, three of my top four and rogue one squeaks in there because it, it's the prequel and it helps set the stage for, um, the original trilogy. Sure. Uh, so, so as somebody who came into it from the beginning, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very partial. Uh, not that I don't appreciate um, the prequels or the sequels, uh, but uh, for someone who grew up with it at a very formative age and had it become a, a major part of their life at such a young age, uh, yeah, I would say it's, uh, it's, you know, if I can't rank them all one, one A, one B, it's probably my, my third favorite. And I feel guilty for, for ranking it so, for, you know, so, uh, you know, sure, so high, sure. um, because it was just phenomenal. Um, everything that you, if you came into it and you fell in love with a new hope, everything about Jedi was like a new hope, but on, on steroids. Um, you know, the cantina scene was, was, was legendary, revolutionary, really, um, you know, in a new hope, but then you come in and, you know, all of Jabba's denizens, all of the aliens and the creatures, um, that are included in Jedi, uh, really just took that fascination with, you know, an, an alien world um, in the cantina from A New Hope and just it broadened it, expanded it, um, and, you know, exponentially. Uh, so, you know, the green lightsaber. Um, oh, you know, yeah. To combat, Bo- Boba Fett in combat, Princess Leia in combat, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, there are that, that pit of Carcoon. I mean, honestly, um, I think I think the uh, I think the, the rescue of Han Solo and the, the pit of Carcoon scene is the only time in the entire original trilogy that all of the main characters are in the same location in the same scene and then in the same frame when finally you know leaving uh, leaving the leaving the battle scene on on that surviving skiff. Uh, the only other time in the original trilogy where you see all of the characters together is when they're leaving the Death Star when they're running out and you know. They're running to the Millennium Falcon, and Luke looks over and sees, you know, Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader having their lightsaber duel. Uh, where, where I mean, uh, like in combat, right? That's what you're saying, like a like a in combat. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, when you, when you think when you think of all the characters that are participating in a sequence, it's 
I, I genuinely believe it's the only time in the original trilogy minus that very short brief moment in a new hope when all the main characters are involved in the scene at the same time in the same place um yeah because you have them all there because everyone's invested in in helping rescue han and then um getting out of the palace and then and then luke's plan to uh you know to, to have everybody be able to get away from from the guards and from Jabba uh, at the pit of Carcoon. Uh, so just just little things like that fascinated me. Um, there's just I could go on and on, but I'll I'll defer to, to others' opinions on that. But I would say Jedi for me is uh, is top three. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, certainly if you're including uh, including Lando in that uh, you know in that equation, it, it definitely zeroes in on that scene uh, for certain. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Where does this one rank for you? And and has the ranking changed throughout your uh, years? Oh man, you know it's funny. Um, I'm totally stuck on what Eric was saying too, because I I think he's I, I I there might be other scenes and sequences I'm thinking of, depending on like you said, if you include Lando. But the the amount of time that Luke and Han and Leia actually spend separate in the original trilogy is an interesting topic um, for separate discussion, maybe. But uh, to answer your question, I I also mirror what uh, Eric says. I feel a little guilty about putting it as low as I do on my list if I'm forced to kind of rank them, but um, Growing up, even even when episode one and two came out, I always had episode six at the very, very top. Uh, and something about it, it was just the most action-packed. It was most exciting. Um, I always had a a soft spot for uh, A New Hope, but I, I never liked Empire Strikes Back. I could never understand why. And still to this day, I don't think I fully understand the arguments besides the cinematic points why people like that one so much more than these not necessarily why it's not their favorite but um why they like it more than episode six because again I, as a kid i thought episode five was boring i thought there's a lot of downtime there's a lot of slow scenes and things that are going on but episode six was like action 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 you know the green lightsaber is the best his black costume is so cool the the fighting the fight sequences um i didn't mind the ewok so much i thought they were a little silly but uh it was it was all a lot of fun so i i actually rank it number four but um I would put, I still have A New Hope as my very top, especially now into adulthood. I think there's very little that one can do wrong. The biggest hit for me with uh, Return of the Jedi is it's one of the only ones you can't watch in a vacuum. You could, you, I mean, you can watch it on its own, but I feel like if you were like um, Michael Mason, you, you watched this one before episode four or five, you'd be very thoroughly lost in who these people are and what's going on. Um, <laughs> episode four, on the other hand, you can watch without seeing any of the other movies it's its own complete story this one's kind of missing a little bit of intro but it has a very conclusive ending or at least it, it used to <laughs> yeah i put it yeah. episode, uh number four on my list so so now i mean you know just really briefly what are the uh what are the three that are above it just in your in your list so a new hope is number one i put rogue one right below that rogue one is fantastic and i don't know i i put episode three above return of the jedi i would go back and forth with that because with the edits and things that have been done to both, I think today I would put episode three over the, like the Canon version of episode three over the Canon version of return of Jedi. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy episode three. I think it's the best of the new trilogy and one of the best of all the movies, but I, I feel bad about putting return of the Jedi below it, to be honest. That's just kind of yeah, how no, I've always I, held it in my head. You know, and, and that's one of the things we'll have to do it on a separate uh, thing. Just talk about how we rank these because you know, there's, there's like the cinematic ranking that you were talking about, like how do these stack up as films? And then there's the ranking of how do you as a fan enjoy them, right? Like for me, 
you know, Revenge of the Sith is really near the top, like like way outside of its uh, you know its weight class uh, for oh, sure. Yeah. But I think that's um, a great way to break it down too, because this is my my ordering is purely enjoyment based. Like if I'm going to sit down and which order I'm going to watch them in, depending on you know how long yeah. it's been, that's the order. That's the one that I want to go see because those are the most fun for me. Got it, got it. So uh, so the Masons, we'll kick it over to you guys now. What do you think? Where is it in your ranking? And then uh, yeah, just tell me if that's changed. Um, it's so hard for me to rank these movies because I'm in a place of discovering and understanding Star Wars more to where I'm like, oh, that was my favorite. And then I mm-hmm. watch the next one. Oh, that one was my favorite. <laughs> I <kind of> enjoy <laughs> them a little more each time. So like, I just rewatched Phantom Menace um, for the first time after having a better understanding of Star Wars and it meant so much more to me. So sure. that's just an example of like, I, and I don't rank them off nostalgia because I, I'm just getting into it. <laughs> so I probably, I echo that it's like number three. Um, I love episode one and I love episode three. Um, this one probably sits right underneath that one. It's a, it's a really fun watch. I love the silly Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say we're all extremely jealous of, uh, of your perspective because there are a few things uh, that we cherish as fans more than the memories of uh, diving into this world for the first time and uh you know to your point there's there's absolutely no shame whatsoever in changing these rankings and uh and juggling it every single time you watch one of these because truthfully return of the jedi was criminally low on on my rankings for a very very long time and uh you know and it has moved its way up um uh, mason i want to get you to uh say your piece before we move on though mine's pretty similar um Return of the Jedi is probably in the third spot. It's an outstanding movie, and I love it. But if we're talking about just movies we enjoy, it's mm-hmm. definitely episode three, episode one, and then Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> My man's there for the memes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's all nostalgic. I, I'll admit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I'm with you 100%. Um, yeah, so at this point, I think we'll dive into sort of what are, what are our favorite scenes and moments from this movie uh and and what has changed our perspective over the years if anything um michael you threw in the chat throne room so i'll I'll kick it over to you and let you take this one um and start talking about that um man it that's just such an iconic fight scene too i feel like uh episode five we get an interesting sort of one-sided fight between vader and luke but uh, the fight we get to see between Luke and Vader in Episode Six is sort of the the definition of like what it means to be a Jedi and to fight to to kind of push aside anger to have the Sith Lord sitting over here in the corner, you know, egging you on and trying to do things. And you you get to see without any emotion being present on Vader's face, you get to feel and see all the emotion um, that's portrayed through his sort of reluctance to to give it his all fighting Luke. Um, we see Luke lose it a little bit a couple times and then kind of rein it back in and get a little bit too into the fight. And then um, it's rather violent, honestly, compared to some of the other ones. We get to see uh, dismemberment and things happening in other episodes. But this one with the lightning, that was shocking, you know, to see for the first time, pun intended. Uh, you know, new force powers are always great. Um, and, and it's so ominous, too, because we never really saw the Emperor jump in there. He's just kind of watching the whole thing. So even though it feels like it's an even match, you know, it's really 
it's really not. He's Luke's still even being played with the entire time. Um, and also, you know, tortured a little bit because he knows his friends are out there potentially dying. He's being told they're dying. Sure. It's a whole, the whole thing's a trap, you know. It's very interesting and very deep, but then also defines what it means to be a Jedi during a fight like this. I, I really appreciate it. So a couple things I want to I want to ask you about that. Now, what do you think as far as how this movie has changed? You mentioned how it bookended and then, you know, the sequels and things have come out since then to to change it. Um, what have you seen online about the sort of speculation that Sidious was trying to do a sort of essence transfer as he did uh, attempted to do in Rise of Skywalker into Luke and that uh, Vader, in fact, saved him by, uh, you know, by blocking that lightsaber. I always assumed, you know, because that was probably the original intent, uh, the original intent of the film uh, was that, you know, Vader was trying to they were trying to bait him and then he protected his master uh from luke's blow but uh but maybe in fact vader was saving him the internet wonders what do we think about that no <laughs> i think that completely undo, undoes Vader's redemption completely completely changes the redemption i think the whole point of the the, the hero's journey archetype that lucas sort of mapped everything out on luke was the hero his father, he redeemed, he, you know, the Pal Palpatine was dead, the Emperor's dead. The, this very, it was a very simple story. I don't want to devalue the symbolism and things that were going in, but it was not that complicated. It was not all this other stuff. In fact, I never got into Legends as much as you did, as you know. Uh, and and when I sort of read hints and, and things from some other related books about Palpatine having come back, even in Legends, and doing this Force Essence transfer, I just gagged. I hated it. I didn't want anything to do that. I'm like, no, Palpatine's <laughs> dead. If you want a new enemy, bring a new enemy. Don't care. Not not really happy about it. And obviously, you know, I have mixed feelings about him coming back in Rise of Skywalker. I feel like Snoke was was not it, but I don't know that that means I wanted Palpatine back either. So, uh, yeah, no, I reject basically everything you just said. Yeah, no, and, and and you know, for clarity's sake, I uh, you know, I'm the host of this thing. I've got to ask the oh, question. Oh, I know, I know. You know? <laughs> I reject everything the internet says about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I, I don't carry much uh, carry much water for Mr. Abrams' sophomore Star Wars film, but uh, but yeah, okay. So Eric, you threw into the chat some other iconic moments here. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell me what you were what what moments drew you to this film? Well, I definitely agree with what Michael said. And there are just so many uh, uh, fantastic moments and sequences uh, in, in Jedi. Um, I think the thing that really, you know, I already talked about the Pit of Carcoon scene and, uh, and how much I hold in that, that scene in high, in high esteem. You know, but honestly, I think what, what blew me away and what blew most people away seeing it for the first time in the theater was the speeder bike chase um, and, and seeing... Uh, seeing it at that speed um and then the the believe at the time you know now granted again it's in the early 80s and it was filmed in what eight you know 81 82 so the technology at the time was 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 believable um that that's that that you look at it now and maybe you look you're kind of you know tilt your head a little bit but at the time um i don't it know was it very stands believable. up for me man yeah i mean it yeah, really does you. and yeah i mean you know then the biker scout i mean honestly of all the action figures i collected the biker scout uh, figure oh, and same. bike is my my absolute favorite, um, and I'm so excited that they're uh, that they're releasing uh, the Biker Scout helmet um, in the Black Series helmet line. Uh, Ooh, I didn't year. know that. It, 
Yeah, they are. In addition to a high end, a high end piece. Yeah, that'll go. Prob- I think the high end piece goes over over, over from Danuo Nova goes for um, almost eleven hundred dollars. Uh, but but the biker but the biker scout I think it was phenomenal. Um, but I will I will tell you um, I, I I was amazed um, and impressed by that. But like the moment that really kind of like stopped my heart. Um, as, as a young rebel, as a young nine-year-old rebel, uh, when the fleet launches, you know, into hyperspace and then comes out of hyperspace, um, at Endor and you see all the ships and you see all the, all the fighters coming out, (laughs) all the fighters coming out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the music, really the music in the background, just, just like drives like the adrenaline and the dopamine and, and everything that makes you wish that you were in a part of that battle scene. Um, you know, I, to this day, when I listen to, you know, the battle of Endor, um, music sequence, there's oh, you know, yeah. parts one, two, and three on, on the parts one, two, and three in the soundtrack. Um, I, I still, I still get this, this emotional rush, um, you know, watching, you know, watching these, you know, these brave rebels come out of hyperspace against all odds to go attack the death star. I mean, it comes full circle. Um, you know, Wedge is red leader now and, you know, um, t- tells everyone to lock their S foils in attack position. I mean, I'm getting like excited now, just, just thinking about it. Um, I want to go, <laughs> I want to go put my wedge helmet on as I probably should have put my wedge oh, yeah. helmet on before I got on camera, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just, I would, I would say, I would say those three for me are it, you know, but, but, but to Michael's point, the, um, the, the watching Luke's turmoil in the throne room, um, with, uh, with the emperor and, and his father Vader. Um, and then, watching their fight sequence, um, develop and then, you know, culminate and then transition, you know, it was just, it's just, it's, it's all, it's all great. I mean, I, I have, I have nothing, nothing bad to say, only, only glowing remarks. No, absolutely. I mean, there's, it, it, like I said, this one has, uh, you know, it's been on a journey uh, or I've been on a journey with it rather. Um, you know, one of the moments that I enjoyed, uh, at, you know, especially they've, it's a bit of a retcon, uh, it's it's an entirely uh, retconned moment, but um, with Dave Filoni and the advent of Rebels and some of these other things, um, they've they've retconned this older man who was in in the the original movie. Here he lands as a rebel. I'm highlighting right here in my cruddy laser pointer here. One of the little little B plots that was dropped in the movie. He he's a rebel initially, and then he's later on featured there with uh, a stormtrooper or, or biker scout armor. Uh, he's an older guy with a beard and they ended up modeling captain Rex to, to look very much like this guy. And uh, yeah, and he's, he's been uh, loosely retconned to be, that's actually Rex now. And it's, uh, it's really, really exciting to know that captain Rex is still alive and kicking at the battle of Endor. That was, uh, that was really, really exciting. Eric, you say well, he's Ed, got his I own could... action figure. Yeah, he does. And, and this, this year, 2023, they, they released a, 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 a bunker scene playset, which basically the, the bunker doors that go into the, into the hill, you know, where, yeah. um, where Leia was shot with Han, they're trying to break in. Um, they created that in a, in a three and three quarter inch line. And that, uh, that biker scout character um, has his own carded figure. Now that's um, exclusive to the box set that it comes in. So um, yeah, yeah, very exciting that they did that and trying to figure out how to, how, you know, there's a, there's a rebel commando who also looks a lot like Rex, quite frankly, 
um, that isn't in the biker scout outfit, but is in the, is in the, you know, the, the woodland fatigues that the regular commandos are. Yeah. I thought it was the woodland there. fatigues one that was, uh, that was him, but either way. So, well, and maybe I'm wrong. Right. Um, but my understanding was that it's the same guy. Uh, it's, it's the same guy. He adopts the attire after, cause it, at one point you see him when they capture the biker scout. And then later on, this is when the whole gang is captured uh, and he's he's wearing this outfit and he's looped in with the rebels. So I'm fairly certain it's the same it's the same character. And I think it's Rex in both instances. But again, uh, you know, Internet uh, fix me if I'm broke. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the way <laughs> I I understand it. Um, uh, Michael and Andy shout out some some favorite moments, something that, uh, you know, obviously there's so many. Right. And if and if yours has been taken, just say that. But uh, but anything that sticks out at you and anything that uh, made you feel something special when you watch this one. Oh, um, I felt special when Leia kills Java. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's overlooked. It was overlooked by me the first time watching it. But I. I look out for it as a woman. I look out in these movies. I'm like, did she? Does she just get rescued every time? But no, she saves herself. She kills Java. Um, I also love the moment where Luke and Leia talk about their mother. Um, like I said, I love the prequels. I'm diving super deep into that era, so it's mm-hmm. it was, it's just super exciting to watch on screen uh, and means so much. Um, what else? Like I said, I'm not. I'm just not a movie person. So watching the movies originally didn't draw me in. But like, for example, the Scout Troopers, they became cool to me after I played Jedi Fallen Order because I, yeah. I just understood it a little better. I was like, oh, those guys are so cool. Um, just things like Endo Rex reference, watching Clone Wars. Like it's all these things that help me connect the dots and um, make it really exciting. But I love, yeah, I love seeing Leia kill Jabba the Hutt. I think it was perfect. Yeah, it couldn't have, couldn't have happened to a better guy for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I will say to your point, uh, the, the interconnectivity of this stuff is just, is why we're all here. It is so special. And I think it's, it's like few other fandoms. There are a lot of fandoms that go deep for sure. But I think there's, there aren't as many that have such a wide uh, ranging canon and and such a high level of interconnectivity. It's it's something really special and uh, yeah, it's really it's really exciting to uh, you know to see to see you diving into that. Um, as far as I'll just make a quick recommendation to you. As far as uh, learning about Padme and sort of prequel connections to uh, original trilogy characters, Claudia Gray's young Leia book, Leia Princess of Alderaan is very very cool and it it addresses that sort of thing that initially people thought of as a bit of a plot hole uh where you know how does she remember her mother right how do how does she uh how does she know um i had that in my notes to bring up (laughs) yeah and and so you know i won't spoil anything because it's a really good book and i hope everyone reads it but um but yeah it's 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 addressed and it's it's pretty cool how they do it they they reference Naboo Leia gets to see uh, a good bit of where she grew up and some of the some of the characters I think you'll be very intrigued to see where some of the characters from the prequel trilogy end up in the time of the empire so 
definitely we'll have to do that on the uh, on the on program book club at some point. We'll have to dive into that. Mason, what about you? So obviously the the amazing moments of this movie from Throne Room, uh, which I absolutely love that whole scene uh, to the, the speeders, which that's what originally got me into motorcycles and why I ride a motorcycle now. It all started from the speeders. Watch them fly <laughs> through the forest. I was like, oh, that looks incredible. That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, but all those moments are incredible. But as I've rewatched it now, being a bit older, when I first saw it as a child, uh, one of the moments that sticks out the most to me is the initial uh, contact between Luke and Jabba the Hutt when he first goes to um, Jabba the Hutt and how calm mm-hmm. he is. And you, you look back at the previous movies where he was this snarky peppy kid who liked to who did a lot of whining <laughs> just sure, kind of you know sure. a younger younger guy you know a teenager just had all this attitude in him and then Absolutely. you start episode six with him being so well put together just so calm in those moments and just well thought out and, and that transition to me was so interesting and and just kind of showed his growth so easily without being you know this in between time between episode five and six and them saying oh, he went and studied or went and, you know, practiced, and now he's a good Jedi. All it took was just his attitude in those opening moments, and just yeah. immediately you knew he was, a, he was a different person. No, it's show, don't tell, right? That's uh, yeah. that's absolutely right. And, you know, and it's interesting, too, because he has a bit of the dark side in him, you know? Like, I mean, they hadn't fleshed out every little minutia of the canon, but, you know, I have this picture up here where, you know, you clearly see him force choke Gamorreans and, and some of these other things that are definitely, you know, associated with the dark side. And, uh, yeah, it's it's cool to see him walk that line. And and you're right on rewatch. Um, it, that's one thing I never really clocked as a as a younger lad, you know, just the I had that image of Luke from uh, from New Hope and, and Empire burned into my head of just very snarky, cocksure, not really, uh, you know, thinking things through, but he has matured immensely in this, in this movie. And it's, uh, it's really neat. And it ties into some of my favorite things about this. You know, I, I've always enjoyed star Wars as, you know, it's escapism for me, but to the point to where I love it, like it's a, it's a whole other world. I look at it like history. I, I enjoy the sociology of it. I enjoy learning about these different, uh, you know, cultures and, and, and just the different worlds that have been created. Um, that's where the trivia factors in and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, so, so that's why initially I was underwhelmed to say it mildly, uh, you know, cause I spent all this time learning about different legions and different types of stormtrooper and all this different stuff and how strong the emperor was. And I had seen the prequels at this time. And so I'm like, gosh, this is the guy that, you know, that just lit up all those Jedi and he's going to just get picked up and thrown down a cliff. What? This is insane. And how are Ewoks going to, you know, but anyway, um, but then as you get older and you look at it and you see all the little subtext and I, and I've got a shout out, um, you know, Sam Whitwer was on a podcast. I think it was uh, Collider or or one of those. But but he was walking through some of you know, uh, sort of refuting a lot of the stuff about why people don't like this movie. And a lot of it was the the juvenile things I was saying. And he's talking about how Luke has grown so much, uh, and how it's it's not necessarily how you would expect him to grow. You would think that the lesson at the end of Return of the, uh, uh, at the end of Empire was you know, don't be cocky, listen to your elders and, and respect their wisdom and, 
you know, learn from them. When they say Vader can't be saved, don't fight Vader, uh, you know, listen to them. But in this case, they said, you know, he can't be saved. Don't worry about it. Just just go and kill him. Uh, he said, no, I'm, I'm going to do the same exact thing as before, but now I'm ready. I've made myself ready. I've done the work now. I've grown, but I still know in my heart that this is the right decision. And uh, it's it's neat to see that sort of inventive and and original storytelling. Um, and and I, I have more, but uh, does anyone have any notes on on that particularly before I move on? I know Michael uh, Michael put something in the chat. What you got? Oh, he's muted. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, it's uh, no nothing relevant. No, no. Oh, okay, Roger. Sorry, I misunderstood uh, what you were saying then. Uh, but then, but then, yeah, the other aspect of it is is the is the Ewoks. Like I've gone on an arc with the Ewoks. You know, I thought they were just so uh, so stupid, and I was so frustrated. And I think there's there's two aspects of the Ewoks that I really have grown to appreciate. One is uh, to bring Luke back into it again. Luke, it shows how he learned from Empire, right? When he meets Yoda, he judges immediately. He says, oh, you know, this is this is nonsense. This is, I've got bigger fish to fry. I've got to move on. Uh, and he doesn't give Yoda the time of day. But in this case, you know, when they get, when they get uh, trapped and captured by the Ewoks, uh, Han is saying, oh, let's, you know, he points the gun at him. And, and Luke's just saying, let's just be chill, right? And even when they're tied up and they're about to be cooked, he's like, you know, relax, relax. I've got this. I've got this. And you know he he respects them and 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 has a great sort of uh you know appreciation for what they do he lets them have their moment and then also shows his power learns how to relate to them and then uh and then does so with a with a masterstroke and and then saves them and gets them in part of the tribe and that truly is his purpose for being there and again i'm ripping this all straight from uh from sam witwer you know it's uh it's it's really good insights that he had as to that character, you know, talking about the writing and how initially, yeah, I thought, why, why did Luke need to go there? Like he, he literally, you know, Luke says I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. Well, you know, that was the point was to get them in cahoots with the Ewoks. And, uh, and then later on you see how they were the thing that saved the day. And that's where the sociology comes in. Um, you know, Lucas, Lucas talks a lot about how it's an allegory for what he was seeing growing up in the in the 70s and 80s with the uh, with the Vietnam War and, you know, and then the prequels as well, you know, talking about the sort of how insurgencies and stuff can take over uh, technologically far superior uh, imperialist factions. And that could be uh, the U.S. in Vietnam or that could be uh, the colonial forces uh, fighting against the British Empire. Uh, but either way, it's it's neat to see that allegory, and I I love to bring it up anytime people say that Star Wars has has gone too political these days, right? It's kind of fun to see how it was always an allegory. Um, Michael, you say you've got thoughts uh, about which point? Jump in. So just thinking about kind of Luke's character progression and what you were talking about with him, whether or not he listens to Yoda and Obi Wan, and you know whether or not. Uh, Vader has any hope left. I think it's interesting too to show how Luke sort of schooled Yoda. Um, for as much as as much as we appreciate Yoda and his wisdom and his understanding of the Force, and obviously his understanding and connection with the Force was such that he was one of very few that we know of that have sort of kind of been able to 
to manifest themselves after death. But um, for somebody who's been in charge of the Jedi Council for as long as he had been, um, especially reading and connecting with the the High Republic books, Yoda doesn't seem to really learn this lesson very well. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see Luke learn it and sort of prove him wrong in this sense. So I don't know where exactly that's going to go other than maybe a critique of Last Jedi, but I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> Otherwise, I think it was really good to see uh, just that, that, you know, Yoda doesn't know everything. Well, you know, and I think it's something to, you know, to bring Last Jedi into it even just a little bit. Um, I think the point of a lot of this is that age doesn't necessarily equal wisdom and also you can't just rely on the idealism of youth, right? And so there's that sort of inverse relationship and you watch them, you know, the, the two arcs kind of cross each other and and Luke was at the sweet spot right here where he still has that sort of fiery idealism to say, I will, I have the passion to to save my father and I will do this, but he's acquired enough wisdom from previous mistakes uh, to where now he's at his sort of, you know, he's at his, his best and, you know, and you could make the argument that maybe in Last Jedi he had enough time had passed and he had, uh, you know, collected some collected some grief and uh, in different things, and maybe maybe he had too much responsibility and he had lost some of that passion and fire, uh, and he had fear of of loss, uh, you know, and 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 it made threats bigger than maybe they were. But uh, but that's its own conversation. Eric, I want to bring you back in. What are your thoughts on sort of these these uh, broader topics involving Luke's growth and or uh, societies and politics and whatnot? I think it's a really interesting discussion. Uh, again, my my perspective on it comes from the fact that I saw them uh, sequentially in the order they were released. So I saw, you know, I was there for Luke's story arc from beginning to the end of the original trilogy. Um, and there was, there was a gradual uh, maturation from, you know, a young teenager basically uh, into, a, you know, a mid 20 something um, who had, you know, been through a lot. Uh, had been a part of a lot um, and was, you know, dealing with uh, a power that he was trying to learn how to control. And, um, and then a, a lot of lofty expectations on him placed on him by his elders and by his mentors who were helping guide him down the path to, you know, his quote unquote enlightenment. Um, in regards to the, the, you know, the sociological or the political, you know, statements that are made via Star Wars movies. I mean, you just have to remember that when A New Hope came out, that was um, a, just a couple of years after the, the, the formal end of the Vietnam War. Jedi was less than a decade um, after the end of the Vietnam War. Um, and there was a whole generation of, um, whole generation of Americans who were veterans who um, were relatively young to middle-aged at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely a statement. Um, George Lucas has never minced his words about um, having Star Wars be um, a reflection or a lens to look at um, the world that we live in, the, uh, you know, the real world that we live in um, sure. and provide com and provide commentary on that. Um, I try not to get I try not to get too wrapped in in those conversations, or at least too invested in them. Not that they're they don't merit the time, sure, sure, uh, but I, yeah. I just I, I just I just I, I try and hold on with white knuckles to um, the appreciation, the excitement, um, the zeal that I had, uh, my connection to my connection to my childhood, 
Um, yeah. and I, and I try and, and whereas, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have the conversation it, when I'm enjoying the movie or my, in my free time on my own, I choose not to connect with star Wars in that way as a, mm-hmm. as a political or, or a, a statement of society. I, I look at it more as, you know, just youthful idealism and excitement and Absolutely. the world that can be the world that can be. And, um, you know, the, the idea of, of good versus evil and light versus dark, um, and, and, and very much, uh, learning that, um, that there's an in-between there's, there's a great area there that, um, you're never, you're never too good where you can't fall and you're never too far gone that you can't be redeemed. I mean, I, and I think as, as an adult, as an adult now, as, as you know, in my, you know, approaching 50 here, um, I really appreciate that, um, that honesty, uh, because so much of the world now in my, at, at my age is, is not black and white or light and dark. It's, it's, it's all shades of gray and, sure. um, yeah. and having an, having an appreciation and, and having initial lessons taught to me about that, uh, via, you know, via star Wars uh, as one medium was, was very powerful. And, you know, the thing I would say to that is I think it's the beautiful thing about the original trilogy and then, you know, the politics involved in the, in the prequels as well is that it is, it's there if you want it. And it's there for those who appreciate those sort of things. But to your point, it's not uh, an overt, uh, you know, explicit message to the point to where it just beats you over the head and it just says, hey, this is, you know, this is an allegory for a current thing. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's very masterfully written and it's it's something that's awesome that that, that can grow with you over time. Um, yeah, no, I I. I'm just so grateful that every every time we step into this world, it's it's so fresh every single time. You know, there there is there is one thing I kind of want to address that's uh, that's watching these movies again has made me realize just how much each movie revolutionized the canon that came before it. Um, you know, and I'll I'll let. Uh, I'll let Michael talk on this a little bit, um, but it's it's so fascinating to me because when when new content comes out now, we're always uh, you know referencing back against things that have and and have not happened, and we say, does this work? Does it not? Um, actually, no. I'm sorry, Michael. I, I I invoked you, but I actually want to kick it over to Eric first, if you don't mind, uh, because what was it like, you know, having all the time in between movies when? all of this stuff hadn't come out yet. Um, you know, what would it be like to theorize things about Darth Vader after watching Star Wars and then learning that he was Luke's father in Empire and trying to, you know, figure out, oh my gosh, was he lying? Like what what were some of the theories and 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 thoughts that you had in between those movies and then uh, you know, whether or not they came true to the extent that you can remember them, what were some of the craziest ones that, uh, that had no bearing on reality? Cause I know, I'm sure you, uh, goofed around and theorized in between all those movies. You know, I did just a little bit, uh, again, being nine, 10 years old at the time a Jedi came out. So, you know, I was four when new hope came out, I was what seven, um, you know, when I saw empire, uh, and I, and I think, I think, uh, you know, I, as a, as a child at that age, I, I probably didn't overthink it. Um, you know, I was wowed and amazed and shocked, you know, when there were the, uh, you know, the, 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 the turns and the script and, um, you know, things that you thought were a certain way were, were proven false. Um, so I don't, I don't know how much of that I can actually remember. I mean, I, 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 I remember doing a little bit, you know, obviously playing with my friends, um, when we would get together and we would either 
you know, try and cosplay ourselves up that early cosplay stuff. Um, or when we were bringing our action figures together and we were recreating scenes and just talking about, you know, what, what could be, or what was there. And I mean, you have to remember, I almost, I feel badly, um, for today's generation. Um, as much as I appreciate technology and, and I, I love the on-demand aspect of entertainment, um, I, I kind of weep for those that never knew a time when you literally had to wait years, mm. years before, before the, before seeing that next episode, um, um, even, you know, just, just, and then all the things that you imagined that you played, um, and that you created in your head, um, you know, as a, as a precocious youth and really into it, um, to see it come out. And, uh, but, but I was so young, you know, I also was gifted because I never, I never judged what I thought in my mind, whatever I, whatever scenario I created in my head, um, or whatever I played and, and fantasized about as, as a, as a young, as a young kid. Um, I didn't, I didn't judge what Lucas produced, directed, and then, and then, you know, screened for us. Um, I just enjoyed it. I, I just, you know, I thought this and now it's that, oh my God, that, what he did is amazing, yeah. you know, and I was just kind of, kind of, uh, awestruck by it all at the time. Well, I'm just, I'm so fascinated because I remember, you know, I was coming up through the prequel time. And so, you know, I remember talking with my friend, uh, Gavin, we were, we were hanging out little kids and we had all the figures and, you know, I heard that the new movie was going to be called revenge of the Sith. And, you know, and I didn't really know, I didn't clock what a Sith was when I watched Phantom Menace. I didn't, you know, I was like, what's, who's the Sith? Who is that? You know? And he said, oh, it's a guy with a white mask and red lines. <laughs> you know? And I was like, uh, who is that? You know? And now, now years later, I realized he probably saw, you know, Darth Nihilus from Knights of the Old Republic 2, you know, the Sith Lords and thought that was who the Sith was. It's like, oh, he's coming back. But, you know, those type of theories, just theorizing and wondering what the heck everything was going to be. You know, I never got to experience that with the original trilogy. It was always locked and set. Uh, and so I've always been uh, been fascinated by that. Um Andy and and Mason, I want to know what uh, what your guys' thoughts were. I guess particularly you, Andy, as far as diving into. I'm sure it's overwhelming given the amount of canon material that's out there right now. Just there's so much. Um, but uh, but yeah, where do you where do you go to? What's your anchor points when you're when you're wading into this deep pool? You know, what's your sort of sweet spot? Uh, for for Star Wars content, what's your favorite? Oh my goodness, I've loved loved the books. Um, as I said earlier, there's all these all this extra content that ties me back to help understand the content in the movies better. Like for instance, reading Lost Stars before mm. watching this movie helps seeing that battle. Be like, oh yes, I I read this. <laughs> I can remember. <laughs> Characters I love, characters like Padme and Ahsoka um, and Rex in Clone Wars. I kind of fall in love with characters and want to know their entire story. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, you know, your your mic was cutting out a little bit there, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a great beautiful character driven world. And, uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to keep up, uh, keep up with you guys as, as we go through it. Lost stars is great. We'll hit that up on the book club. Now, Michael, I want to, I want to get back to you at long last. Sorry about, uh, 
about that earlier. But, uh, you know, as we've talked so much about the canon and how it grows, um, you know, original question, bringing that back around to you, uh, especially in the original trilogy, you see it change so radically. I remember when uh, The Last Jedi and, and uh, Force Awakens, some of these other movies come out, everything seemed so foreign. And I was thinking, well, why can't they just use what they had before? Uh, but when I was watching this back, I was like, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't in the other movies, right? Like there's so many aliens in Jabba's palace that you never see before. Uh, I, I guess just give me some of your thoughts on how much Star Wars should reinvent itself film to film. You know, it's it's an interesting point because the first thing I go to is the Force, right? You see episode four and really we don't know a lot of the Force. You see Vader can Force choke and sense people, people's presences, but that's... It's kind of about it we see for the dark side. And then on, you know, we see Obi-Wan do a mind trick and something going on with being able to see blaster bolts with the helmet down. But we don't really see a lot of that. <laughs> um, and then you've got red and blue lightsabers and that's about it. You just kind of assume, oh, good guys, bad guys. Okay. Uh, and then episode five comes out and wham, like Luke is pulling things, at, you know, with the force away from distances. And then Vader starts throwing things through the air and they really up the ante. There's force jumps and, you know, Yoda comes and lifts a ship. And so you start adding like the telekinetic powers to the force. And that was, I'm sure I wasn't, you know, there to experience that, that jump, but I'm sure that was sort of mind blowing. Um, at least as mind blowing as seeing episode one after having seen episode four, five, and six. Uh, episode six obviously introduces the the green lightsaber. We see force lightning is crazy. Uh, you know, force Luke kick. is doing force choking, <laughs> which should have been a really big red flag for anybody. I know it was for him. Like, wait a minute, that's what bad guys do that, and why is he all in black? And you know, that's mm -hmm. kind of weird. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of changes and things that happen from every single one. People joke, you know, episode one had the double bladed lightsaber. Episode seven has the three bladed lightsaber. So there's certain things like that that just kind of become a joke. They keep up to, upping the ante, but. Um, what like you were saying a lot of times people criticize star wars for for building on itself and that seems kind of ridiculous in a galaxy right that people don't really understand the scale of it you you got to learn more every single time otherwise it's going to become boring and stagnant unless you do something like a rogue one where you're forced to reuse beginning and ends of certain elements um mm -hmm. yeah and now there are other criticisms of things like episode one where we get to see force jump like crazy force jumps and crazy force speed movements that never get reused again um sure. and so there's more to be said there but uh i think between episode five and six that's kind of where we understand what jedi are capable of and what um what you know the jedi and the sith kind of mean besides that uh so i know that was the foundation for a lot of my make believe and play uh between six and one and then after after that so um yeah and, and to your point as well there's always new species and things i never really paid too much attention to the background characters i was so overly focused on the main characters and the people that you see mm -hmm. but um i know building all that is really really great of course then there's also things like boba fett getting sort of thrown away and that's a uh, its own yeah that's that's where i was going but, next yeah. that, that's where i was going next oddly enough yeah um, I, I see you your know, screen you got up there <laughs> yeah 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 so uh on our our previous conversation, uh, uh, one of them, I can't remember if it was on the audio or if uh, if we had gone to video at this point, uh, but we were talking about uh, the Mandalorian, and you know that we brought up the Book of Boba Fett. I think Eric, you were spearheading the conversation, talking about how 
uh, you know, Boba Fett had such a, a rich and, and just majestic character, or at least a powerful character. And if I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that was the impression that I got. Uh, and then it maybe didn't live up to, uh, you know, to the, the hype or at least the reputation. And I can certainly agree that uh, in the Legends continuity, the man was was almost God-tier in just the way he handled almost everything. Um, one of the things that struck me re-watching this movie, um, his outfit really did the heavy lifting with this one. I mean, it was all image, because if you, if you look at uh, just by the numbers, the stats... Um, this was, uh, this was not his finest hour, uh, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll kick it to you, Eric first. Um, but you know, it's, it's always interesting to me, uh, just, I, I don't, I don't really know what my point is exactly, except that just the degree to which the fans can, can boost a character and, and the backstory can fill in. We see this with star Wars so much where if you're, if you look at the stat sheet, it's uh it's a little underwhelming, the performances that, that we get from some of these characters, but then they, they fill in the backstory and it's uh, it's just so, so rich and so much more. Uh, but walk me through your journey with, uh, with the Boba Fett character, Eric, if you would. Yeah, no problem. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, I think the, analysis of Boba Fett and Jedi and maybe his fighting ability being underwhelming um, is unwarranted. Uh, I mean, you just have to remember um, at first, you know, we first uh, see Boba Fett cinematically in Empire Strikes Back and there was nothing, nothing but uh, his his ability potential um, arc is just, open and limitless because there, we weren't given much, you know, he only had, I think, uh, what, seven lines and in the, in the whole, um, in the whole movie of empire. So when we see him in Jedi, um, it's, I, I, I feel like we get, we start to see what he's capable of, but then we also have to realize that his character couldn't go beyond, um, his character really couldn't survive, uh, the battle at Carcoon. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, how does, how does he, how does he meet, how does he meet his demise? Um, you know, I think, you know, we see him acquit himself pretty well in the beginning. And then because we're getting to the tail end of that whole sequence and the movies that the stories are naturally moving on, uh, to the next phase of the next act of that particular movie. Um, he was just kind of summarily, um, eliminated, uh, you know, by the, the strike on his jet pack. And then he slams into the, he slams into Jabba's uh, Jabba's barge and and mm-hmm. falls, you know, haplessly into into, into the, the cartoon, um, and is eaten by the Sarlacc. Uh, and I think I think for what his role was within uh, those two movies, Empire and Jedi, I felt I felt like it was more than enough. Um, oh yeah, like was, no, certainly, yeah. Um, uh, cer- certainly he did he did certainly he did better than the rest of of Jabba's guards and henchmen and denizens um you know they 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 all seem to kind of uh, go away fairly quickly but uh but, but Boba Fett was the baddest of the bunch I mean that's 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 that, that was my takeaway that Bo- Boba was the he was uh he was the big dog of that pack yeah there's no doubt I mean and, and you know I I'm kind of half jokingly bringing these things up it's uh it's interesting to see uh, you know, the degree to which 
the degree to which the fandom carries this stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, you know, you're right. The story required that he uh, meet his end. Uh, and then we looked back and it's like, oh, he's supposed to be this awesome, awesome character. Robot Chicken did a really funny thing where they, they had him being drunk. Uh, you know, Michael and I grew up on watching those, you know, and he was, he was like, oh, I'm going to shoot you. And he just pulls his gun out and it gets chopped. You know, he said, yeah. I, I fly better when I'm drunk. Whatever it was. <laughs> it was, uh, it was entertaining, <laughs> but, uh, well, and, well, and if dropped... I could just, just oh, yeah, if I yeah, could sorry. on it real quick, just, um, <clears throat> that, that may be one of my misgivings about the whole journey of star Wars. And, and then I've been able to see it. I've been able to see everything as it's released in the oil that it's released and mm -hmm. I completely understand everyone, and I, I support everyone wanting to make <clears throat> Star Wars their own, connect with it in their own way. Uh, and, and they want they want to learn the backstory, the history. They want to find the justifications for why things were the way they were. The downside of that is, you know, as everyone tries to add their next layer, their next as, – as they try to add um, – or contribute their piece of the universe, the mythology, whatever it is. Um, it's, there's almost a one upsmanship. So, um, yeah, yeah. that I think happens with some of these things. So when you think about how Boba Fett's portrayed, um, in the books or the comics, um, mm -hmm. uh, the cartoon series that came out after the movies were released. Um, he does, he, he, he takes on a larger life of his own and we kind of sure. maybe, maybe those who come into it at that point, um, hold him in a certain way, which doesn't necessarily align itself seamlessly with, you know, how his character was portrayed in the original trilogy um, in, in, you know, episodes five and six. Um, you know, I think, so I think it's unfair. I think it's yeah. unfair that happened. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. We see it. Uh, we see it all over the place. Um, you know, there's the, the retroactive uh, embellishment of character. And, you know, I think it speaks to the fact that, uh, you know, in Star Wars, outside of the, you know, the, the holy trinity of the, you know, the, the three main characters, very little is sacred in these uh, original trilogy movies. And we imbue these characters with sort of main character uh, status afterward. And so then later on in other movies, characters die or whatever, um, you know, we we balk and, and clutch our pearls. And, and maybe that was the way it, it always was. Right. Um yeah, and you know, I, I I know Andy. You said you had something uh, about Boba, so why don't you guys uh, why don't you guys let me know what you were thinking? So I knew a long time ago that Michael or Mason was really into Boba <laughs> Fett, so I thought I would be too. And I watched the movies, and I kind of didn't get it. I was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, so okay, I believe you that he's really cool. Help me understand it, because I'm not. I'm missing something. Scoot, um, if you wouldn't mind, scoot you guys' heads just a little closer together. Uh, it might help with the with the microphone picking up. Uh, I'm having a harder time. Yeah, there we go. Photo booth that jank. Let's do it. All right, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. No, but I was just trying to understand wh why Boba Fett was so beloved, um, mm -hmm. and I'm I haven't watched the book of Boba Fett yet. Um, I was hoping that would help me understand, but I'm worried from <laughs> reviews I've heard that it might not. Um, but I, I loved seeing him as a little one in Clone Wars. And I know we just talked about the animated series that was touched on. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but as, as a mother, just seeing him as a little boy that nobody 
really took care of. I was, I emotionally connected like I do with characters, as I already said. Yeah. um, Stuff like that just makes me want to know more. You know, and and it's really awesome. You know, I, I, I know I'm about to say something that is, uh, you know, very fake deep and, and not super, uh, uh, insightful at all, uh, but it, it really is awesome having different perspectives viewing this content because literally every point you've brought up is things that I guarantee uh, the other four of us <laughs> really never would. Uh, you know these these sort of connections to uh, you know to to Leia stepping up and and killing Jabba. You know they're they're not the moments that initially resonate with us especially when our first viewing is when we're freaking nine you know what i mean so um you know i i i really love that about star wars that's one of the reasons i i'm just so thoroughly invested in this world as as we all are it's just because there's so many different angles to approach it and it can be uh something special for everybody and i'm just uh i'm so excited that we have this this platform so that way we can all get together and, and share our love of these films. Um, you know, I think at this point I'll, I'll go around the room and everybody just kind of leave us with your, your final thoughts um, and then uh, tell the people where they can find you. And then, uh, and then we'll put this one in the book. So I'll start with you, Michael. Uh, final thoughts. I, I still think this movie holds up. I think it doesn't get as much credit as it does only because it was released with such other great movies like uh, New Hope and uh, Empire Strikes Back. But um, otherwise, uh, I make all this conversation makes me want to go back and watch it again. I'm sad that I missed it in theaters, but uh, I'm close enough to the Kennedy Center. They pretty routinely do the full orchestra renditions uh, of the movie. So yes. I'll probably end up going to see that as soon as I can. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, that's something to behold for sure. Uh, and speaking of, Eric, why don't you tell me a little bit about that experience and then your final thoughts as well? A phenomenal. I would recommend it for any 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 fan at any level. You know, the the, the hardcore fans to just the casual fan. Um, so much of Star Wars is built upon the emotional connection you have to what you see on the screen, the characters, with the music in the background. So. To see a full orchestra performing live, um, you know, I saw it. I saw it in Kansas City at the Kansas City Symphony. Um, the full symphony was there. Uh, many of them were cosplayed up, which was great to see. Uh, but then the the screen was above the symphony in the background, and it was offset, uh, so that the, the focus and attention of the experience was were on the musicians and on the on the musical score, mm. um, and and watching them, um, and and you know when you when you hear crescendos and you hear um, emphatic points of the music being played and you're watching the musicians play it and they're, they're playing it as hard as the sound comes across to you, which matches the, the drama that's unfolding on the screen above it. It just, it just takes it, um, I mean, to a whole nother level. I mean, you have a, a normal TV and then you go to a movie theater, then you see an IMAX, but to see, to see something like star Wars and there are other, other movies that, um, rely heavily on their musical score to communicate the feelings, the emotion, the gravitas of the situation. But um, to see Most it, of them to see are, it live, are done by John really Williams. Special. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really something special. Um, and, uh, and, and I, and I think that Je- Jedi for me was an emphatic exclamation point on the original trilogy. Um, it's, it stands on its own. I, I don't, I can't compare it against anything, but the two movies that preceded it, 
in the time frame that they were released. And so, you know, if I, if I could do the Lando Calrissian howl as he and Nine Numb were flying the Millennium Falcon <laughs> out of the exploding Death Star, I mean, I, I, that's what I would give you right now. I would say nothing else, and I would leave it at that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. No, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It really, really is. Um, yeah, Andy and Mikey D, uh, any, uh, any final thoughts you guys had on this one? It was great having you here for the first time, too. It's great to be here. Anything? You got final thoughts? No, I'm just super happy to be here. It's been a lot of fun. For me, Absolutely. I just—I don't know. Something about this movie just gives me, gave me when when I was a child, gave me such a feeling of wanting to be that Jedi. Like mm-hmm. watching Luke go through these these struggles and through these battles, and just holding up through it all. It just made me want to go outside, grab a stick, and just start beating on a tree. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I think we've all had that experience. Yeah, there's no doubt. It makes you want to be the best version of yourself. And, uh, you know, you see the best in others like uh, like Luke did with Vader. And, you know, to to Eric's point earlier, the idealism of, you know, just good guys win and, uh, you know, good always triumphs no matter uh, no matter what. So, listen, this has been an absolute treat. I love getting to dive into these things with you guys and I can't wait to do it again. This has been on program and we'll see you next time. On program. Hey, thanks for watching, everybody. Make sure to do all the YouTube stuff. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave us a big comment if you think any of the stuff we said was on point, off point, or on or off program. Uh, We'll be here next time to tell you all about whatever's going on in Star Wars. Hit us up. We've got content comes out when there's something new, uh, deep topics that we want to discuss in the fandom. You'll find it all here on program. On program.